Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. So, with nothing else at all happening elsewhere in the United Kingdom, we are joined by Hevin David, MS for Carfilly, and new governor at Hale the Comprehensive School. Congratulations, Hevin. And to follow up on the dramatic, I think we can probably say dramatic, Welsh Labour Conference at which proposals for Senate reform were given the approval of delegates at the conference. Hevin has been on the pod before uh, on uh, more than one occasion to talk about proportional representation and federalism and we thought that he would be perfectly placed to discuss the context of that uh, Labour conference and the impact it has for the future of the Senate. So everyone, I'm surely everyone knows what you sound like but just in case they don't. Yeah, hi. So Uh, A few days after the uh, recall conference where Welsh Labour um, supported the reforms for the Senedd, with a couple of days passed, how do you reflect on that and the nature of debate and results from the conference? Uh, Well, I wasn't at the conference because I I had the children uh, and no one to look after them. So I was was looking after my five-year-old and seven-year-old and just trying to keep keep up with what was going on via Twitter and text messages from different people. Uh, but by all accounts, I was speaking to Don Bowden yesterday, and she said there were 20 speakers, of which I think two spoke against and one sceptical. Uh, the other speakers were all very much in favour and quite enthusiastically in favour, counter, counter to what was uh, said perhaps uh, through the media. And, uh, you know, it was a stonking victory for Mark Drakeford, 75% uh, in favour, which would probably about two-thirds perhaps, with a fair wind, and it went on to 75% to three quarters. We were delighted with that. Uh, and uh, Welsh Labour is endorsed now and uh, full speed ahead with legislation. I'm kind of fascinated that you described that as a, as a win for Mark Drakeford. What makes you say that that's a win for Mark Drakeford as opposed to, you know, a just general process of reform more widely? Well, I don't think anyone's under any illusion that this was Mark Drakeford's desire to introduce Senate reform as part of his programme. Certainly that was my, my understanding of the situation. Maybe I'm wrong, but... Everything I've seen has been that uh, you know Mark Drakeford feels the Senate is underpowered. As First Minister, his experience is that government uh, is is underscrutinised, and I think it's a, a significant thing that the First Minister himself says that he would welcome better, better and stronger scrutiny. So yeah, I think it, it, it's certainly led by the First Minister and the Llywydd, uh with the support of Plaid Cymru. You know, it's a necessary change in our constitutional arrangements and uh, will bring those improvements, but I think certainly would not have happened if the sitting First Minister didn't support it and support it strongly. There were a few, um, a small number of uh, constituency Labour parties that objected to the proposals. Some of them did quite vocally before time, and it would appear that that, those were largely isolated disagreements with the proposals. One of the things that did surprise me was the story that broke just a couple of days before conference that a number of unions, including GMB and um, community, had opposed the proposals. They obviously will now proceed on the basis that they have been given, you know, those proposals have been approved by conference and the unions will, of course, work within those constraints. Did it surprise you at all that some of the unions were unhappy with the proposals? I think the big two, Unison and Unite, the big two were back in it, uh, which which meant a great deal. Uh, The Labour Party's and it has a form of internal democracy. I use, use the word uh, advisedly, but a form of internal democracy. Um, and uh, you know, the, the GMB are entitled to take that position. They they are entirely entitled to do so. As are 
individual constituency Labour parties and they're entitled to mandate the delegates. Uh, and, and that's how the function of the Labour Party works and how most political parties would, would recognise across, across the world. But that said, you know, now that the vote has been taken and it's been accepted by this majority, then, you know, those, those people who disagree would be expected to fall in line with, with, with where we are, as I would be expected to fall in line had I been on the losing side myself and have, have been on the losing side myself in the past and have done so. You expressed before the vote took place um, a few reservations about the nature of the process, the fact that it was almost in some regards a sort of stopgap measure. Some of the elements of these proposals will be reviewed. In fact, there's going to be a boundary review as part of them, or being, you know, as, on the assumption that the plans go ahead. How do you reflect on, you know, what has now been supported by the Labour Party and what the challenges might be in terms of bringing that legislation into enforce, enforcing that legislation um, prior to the next election? Well, I mean, first of all, it's very rare that a state's constitution is, is, is designed in a way that uh, is, is planned and progressive um, and final. Um, you know, even the United States, which was designed from first principles relatively recently, still is undergoing constant amendment and is still imperfect. So it's incredibly difficult to get a, a constitution, constitutional structure and state structure right. Uh, and I saw someone on Twitter said, if we were able to design it from first, first principles, we wouldn't design it this way. But that's pretty much how constitutions tend to develop is, is, is through this kind of piecemeal uh, compromise method. The number of different democratic parties involved outside of the Labour Party meant that you're going to have to have compromise at some point. Uh, short of compromise and going for a pure STV, boundary-reviewed, fully uh, agreed system that was in the Plaid Cymru, I think it was in the Plaid Cymru Manifesto, or, or certainly reflected Laura McAllister's work. I don't think you could have achieved that by 2016, 2026 for a number of technical reasons, which are slightly dull, but nonetheless impacting on the, deliver the ability to deliver this. So for example, uh, if you're gonna go for an STV system with newly designed parliamentary boundaries, you need to set the boundary commission. Uh, and, and then uh, that wouldn't be happening by 2026. I think that rang some alarm bells with Pike Cymru, who then thought, right, well, if we want to deliver by 2026, we're gonna have to compromise. Not compromise with the Labour Party or compromise with um, you know, with the Conservatives or anyone else, but compromise with the process of time. Uh, you know, we're going to have to reflect uh, the, the real politics, the reality of the situation. We're going to get it by 2026. We're going to have to do something using the tools that are currently to hand. And the tools currently to hand are the uh, constituencies that were designed by the Westminster government. Uh, you know, they were reviewed, they've been through boundary commission, they are uh, consulted on. So that's the easiest way to do it. And then slot in to hunt six member constituencies into that. It's probably not what all of us wanted and probably not what most of us wanted. But what most of us do want, all of us do want, who would believe in sending reform is more members and a proportional system. So that's the best way to achieve it. The other question about legislation, bringing legislation in, I think everybody recognises the big difficult one is going to be gender quotas and gender balance um, and getting that through the uh, devolved structures, whether it is a devolved competence and also the fact that it would be open to challenge uh, because it is a relatively new way of, uh, of doing things. So that's going to be the big challenge. I've heard uh, discussion about separating two pieces of legislation, one about the, the Senate reform, and one about gender balance. So if one does go, then you can still go ahead with the other. 
Whether that's how it will proceed, I don't know. But uh, certainly that is going to be the, the bump in the road there. Uh, that said, there is clearly now a two-thirds majority in the Senate, even amongst those who are a bit uncomfortable with it. There's still a two-thirds majority in the Senate for Senate reform. Yeah, so in terms of driving that legislation forward, and it was reported by BBC Wales that some Labour Senev members had been keen to for Mark Drakeford to stay on, to see this legislation through and actually use some of his political clout to make sure that it bedded in well, because you know, we, we saw an awful lot of disruption, for example, when the Senate was first established with the um, uh, the sudden loss of Ron Davis's influence and how that did damage the first few years of the uh, Senate's existence. Now that the First Minister has stated that he's not going to stay on for a full Senate term, who do you see driving this forward? And, and does it have champions outside of Mark Drakeford within the Welsh Labour Group? I think it certainly does have champions outside of Mark Drakeford. And I think, you know, everyone needs to champion it now because it's, the, the mandate has come from the party. So, you know, there's no question about whether it, it'll happen or not now. Um, I think there might have been a question had Mark Drakeford resigned before it had gone through the Labour Party, uh, because I do think some of his political capital put us through that. So any new system needs as much stability elsewhere around it uh, to work as possible. And I think, you know, the, the, the process of a leadership campaign, the ending of the cooperation agreement, uh, the changing of the First Minister, all those things are, are really tough things for a, a new system to, to cope with alongside the fact that this whole new way of voting is happening too. And, you know, personally, I'll say, you know, you will be well aware I didn't back Mark Drake. one of the few who didn't back Mark Drake from the beginning. So I, I supported Ron Gething. And, and I won't say I was wrong to support Ron Gething because I think he's excellent. But, but I would say that I should have and, and do have absolute confidence in Mark Drakeford's ability. He's proven himself through the toughest political times you can possibly imagine. And look at the comparison between Mark Drakeford and Boris Johnson. Look at that comparison. We will miss Mark Drakeford greatly when he stands down. I think he will be a huge loss, uh, not just to the Labour Party, but to the nation of Wales as a whole. And the longer we can keep him in post, I think is probably the better for stability. Therefore, I think... It'd be great to see him carry on, but I don't think he wants to. I think he's he's ready to finish, which is fair enough. It's his chance, it's his life, after all. Uh, but we could, probably could do with that stability going on a bit longer while the new system comes in, I think, across an election, certainly. Uh, I'm going to make myself a hostage to fortune here by uh, describing any comparison between current First Minister Mark Drakeford and future former Prime Minister Boris Johnson as always going to be unflattering with regards to Mr Johnson, I think. They both won elections in their way. It's really interesting. They both won elections in their way, and they both won elections on ground that isn't usually um, favourable to their individual party. Yeah, I'm, not, least... I'm, not, I'm not standing up for Boris Johnson. Here. I'm just stating the fact. You know, that's what they did. You know, it'd be interesting to know. It'd be interesting in another podcast to consider how all that was done. But I think that's probably a story for another day. You've obviously talked an awful lot uh, before about proportional representation and you know reforming democracy. Generally speaking, you know, now that you know the form of what will what, what our democracy will look like in Wales in the come the next Senate election? Do you feel satisfied that Welsh citizens will actually have a Senate that represents them? Well, I'll be down to whether the legislation requires that first of all, uh, and that's mostly in gender terms. I would expect, uh, although other uh, unrepresented or, or underrepresented groups have also requested legislation to consider that too. Uh, but it will also be an up down to parties, and I think the only party that's got this right, uh, in gender terms anyway, is the Labour Party and, and Welsh Labour in, in the Senate. 
more women members in our group than men. And uh, I think, you know, that's to be welcomed. Whereas, you know, you now look at the plight coming the Conservatives. If, if the legislation doesn't require it, you're looking to, to apply coming the Conservatives to enable that. So, but although you've got to say the Conservatives have a good record, a reasonably good record on ethnic minority representation, you know, that's also to be welcomed. But the parties can do more. And they need to do that if the legislation is, is, is underpowered. And ultimately, just to before we move on to uh, wider British context for these reforms, I just wonder if you think that your long sort of championed cause for Senate expansion in order to improve lawmaking in the Senate, do you think that, do you feel reasonably comfortable that the kind of proposals that we have now seen approved will improve the standard? of scrutiny and legislation in the Senate? And do you think it will now be a, the kind of Senate that we need for the kind of devolution settlement that we have in Wales? The two, two, two answers to that. First of all, depends on the quality of member you select and then elect. So you need some decent people. How can I say this diplomatically? Let's not say diplomatically. Let's just say it honestly. The quality of Senate member has radically improved over the course of devolution. You know, you've seen members who are not seeing it as, you know, second choice to being in Westminster. I think for most members now in the Senate, this is the first choice. Now, they actively don't want to be in Westminster. They want to be changing things in Wales through the Senate. And, and that's certainly the case for me. It's very obviously the case for Hugh Aranka Davis. But I've spoken to the likes of Bethany Williams. I've spoken to Sarah, um, Sarah Murphy, almost all the members on the five benches, and many of the Conservatives. So they're there because they want to be in the Senate. And that is significant. And we need to maintain that and maintain the standard and quality. The other thing you've got to do, I think members need to look at what the Senate does. And I'm far too often, members are getting up, getting up and reading out a speech. What you've got to be doing is standing up in the chamber and responding to the people around you and responding to debate. And what we really, really need are members who are dumping the speech, keep sticking with notes and engaging with the debate. And if you can have 96 members, that's even more important because there will be nothing more dreary than sitting in a chamber listening to people reading out verbatim things from a piece of paper. You know, it needs to be proper, lively, risky, uh, emotional debate. And I want to see that happening. It can happen from today, uh, but we need to see that happen. When we look at the context of these reforms taking place in the context of the United Kingdom, um, has been interesting to observe, particularly as these proposals were approved uh, a couple of days after Keir Starmer had stated his commitment to retaining first past the post and the constituency link uh, for Westminster elections. Now, some may say that the likelihood of Keir Starmer becoming UK Prime Minister has risen over the last few days. And should a future Labour uh, leader find themselves in number 10, would you expect any kind of proportional representation or electoral reform to be on the agenda for that UK so Prime I'm Minister? To, I'm going to answer this in a way that isn't going to get me thrown out of the Labour Party. So you've set me a challenge. Uh, first and foremost, I, I genuinely believe, not to, to preface any controversial comments, but I genuinely believe that Keir Starmer would be an excellent prime minister. Um, and by comparison with any recent, uh, certainly the last three, uh, would be a, a, a radical and substantial improvement on what we've had. And I just, I genuinely, I've met him. He's come to Labour Group in the Senate uh, just a few months ago. He's an excellent and decent individual, full of integrity. And I really would think he'd be an excellent prime minister. 
and, and could certainly be one of the best, one of the great prime ministers. But the other issue is he has not been as forthright on, on reform as I hoped. Uh, when he talked about federal Britain, or, you know, I, I'd even go as far as to say confederal Britain would be welcome. But when he talked about federal Britain, it hasn't gone far enough. And when I raised it with, directly with him, uh, when he came to the Labour group, he said, well, I've got Gordon Brown working on it, which, you know, is a bit of a, a, a bit of a hospital pass, isn't it? You know, it, it, he could have been clearer and he could have been more, more effusive on it. So that's really disappointing. But I think events may force his hand. So just to save my Labour Party membership, I'll make it clear. I want a Labour government with a majority, uh, preferably in the Blairite levels of 1997, dominating all they can survey. But I think it's unlikely that we're going to see in the current climate a majority government of either Labour or Conservative, and I think a deal must be done. And if that deal must be done, I think electoral reform should form part of that deal. And if the Liberal Democrats have anything about that, they will, because uh, he's already ruled out any cooperation with the SNP, which I think is a bit disappointing. But uh, if the Liberal Democrats have anything about them, then he will form a coalition with the Liberal Democrats that will involve, without a referendum, introducing electoral reform. And, you know, if, if the Liberal Democrats have, have the house, I think they've got the power to deliver that. I don't think they'll deliver much more, but they can deliver that. And I think that would be to everyone's ultimate benefit. But it will require circumstances and events to move in the way that I've described. Not that I want, again, not that I want, I want the Labour majority. But should they move in that way, then there is that opportunity to achieve that. Well, I, I'm surprised that you were worried about uh, um, some aspects of that, but not after suggesting that the Labour Party should do a deal with the SNP. I imagine that would probably be more of a, a risky thing for somebody to say than anything else at the moment. Well, uh, I, I just feel like it's the clearest way to uh, top a majority and get some things done. Um, and the deal with the SNP doesn't have to be doesn't have to include a referendum uh, on uh, on independence because you know I feel about referendum. I suppose at length how much I despise the whole mechanism of referendum. If a party feels that it wants to do something, it's got to be able to carriage to put it in its manifesto before an election and risk losing on it. You know, so so if the SNP say, well, our price is a referendum, then he is would have every right to say, well, sorry, that we're not doing a deal with you. But to rule out, you know, having a, a coalition with with. Or, or even a confidence and supply with the SNP before you've even reached a, a, a negotiating part starting point, I think it's probably a bit short-sighted. But no, I wouldn't support it. I would be pleased if Keir Starmer rejected the SNP on the basis of their demand for any kind of referendum. I really don't want to open the uh, referendum in Scotland no, can of worms. Um, no, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure that you wouldn't want me to either. You, you mentioned there that Keir Starmer has sort of deferred an awful lot of the thinking um, about electoral reform and uh, the uh, quasi-federal uh, proposals that uh, the Labour Party has been ruminating on for some time to Gordon Brown. And you mentioned earlier that that had come up. And I was just wondering whether you think that Wales's voice and Welsh Labour's voice in that discussion has been heard um, to the extent that it should be, because obviously the, the Welsh Government's uh, Constitutional Commission will be closing shortly. And it doesn't appear that that has had any significant impact on the thinking um, of the Labour Party so far, bearing in mind, of course, that they've had many other things on them that have been perhaps more pressing on their minds recently. Well, to, to, be, to be frank, um, Keir Starmer's response to, to us in the Senate group was make it known to Gordon, speak to him and, and raise it with him because he's responsible, he's going to be producing a, you know, this, this constitutional outcome so make sure that, that it's that it goes through through gordon's i, I suspect providing that the government follows that or the labor party follows that and there's no reason to believe it won't happen 
I do get the impression there are there, there are certain Westminster uh, MPs who feel a little bit skeptical about constitutional reform and, and federalism. But if you want to block the Tories from governing on a minority with a majority, on a minority a majority of seats on a minority of the vote, then you've got to grasp this. Uh, otherwise, you'll see a period of government, left government, centre left government. That is only a punctuation mark in long periods of conservative rule, and I and I'm, I'm you know that's what we've seen certainly in my lifetime. That's what we've seen, and I just worry that we'll see more of that if we don't take the opportunity when we're in power to redress the imbalance in the system. Of course, on a on a wider constitutional scale, that you know the the, you know, the challenge there for the Labour Party is obviously quite considerable. Should they find themselves in power in Westminster? But there are some um, elections that will take place in Wales that have been changed by unilaterally without a referendum by the Conservative Party to go from proportional list to first past the post. And those are the oft maligned PCC elections. Would you suggest that that is reversed by a future UK Labour government? Or PCC? I'd get rid of PCC. No, I shouldn't say that, actually, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, know, I know an awful lot of people would say, "What's the point in the in the whole PCC structure?" It's a bit of a, it's kind of halfway to the American system where you elect every public official. You know, I I I never really understood why PCCs came in in the first place. Let's just remember, we didn't have a referendum on it. Uh, it wasn't controversial. I don't think people pay much attention to these things, and certainly in the first election of PCC, not many people voted either. You know, I I, I just don't, don't worry too much about stuff like that. I think what we need to do, if we want to be serious, is we look at the st structure of the UK, we look at the nature of the English regions, uh, which certainly exist. Uh, we look at the nature of the Parliament in Scotland, the nature of Parliament in Wales and Northern Ireland, and we decide how are we going to structure our state uh, in a way that would be effective for subsidiarity and the governance at the appropriate level at each part of the United Kingdom. And, and I don't see why that's so difficult to grasp. I suspect a coalition approach, is a, a, a government short of a majority, which isn't conservative, would be more likely to grasp that than any majority government. Did that answer your question? Yeah, you did. I mean, you're right about PCC. Next, no one seems to care about them. No. But I think it would be horribly unfair on Alan, Michael and Jeff Cuthbert yeah. uh, to uh, say anything more about the, um, the invisible nature of PCCs at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've got to say, I mean, if you want to put this on the record, that Jeff Cuthbert has been brilliant as, as the recent Crown Commissioner in Glen. Um, and I know Alan as well, and Alan Michael, and he's done a fantastic job. And he fulfilled those jobs, you know, the, the, in, in a very effective way. Um, that doesn't preclude you from having a conversation about the nature of the, the PCC role separate to them. Noted, and I'm sure that they appreciate that. Uh, you, you've got them on board for your leadership campaign uh, when you get there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the proposals for the Senev. Uh, to change its electoral system are now shaped and we wait. it's just a matter of waiting for those to be legislated for now. However, the elephant in the room is the continued non-changing nature of local government elections. Do you have any thoughts about the future of that, potentially in the next expanded Senate term? I don't know if there's going to be a minister who's going to open the can of worms of uh, local government reform again. Um, but there's a lot of hands being burned on this one. And as much as council leaders will say publicly that they support change, I think the nature of the change, uh, when you get behind closed doors, they just can't agree on. Uh, and that's the problem. And, you know, you need some kind of consensus amongst local authority leaders that the change of what that change is going to be. And then like Senate reform, where we've got that consensus, I don't think you've got that consensus at local authority level. Um, with regard to elections, it's also quite interesting. 
that uh, although councils now have the power to run STV elections if they want to, no council's done it, uh, and no council in power is going to either, and I happen to know, the Plaid Cymru who support STV in principle, in Caffini, don't support STV for council elections, because they know it's going to be bringing in other parties who will vie for power over uh, to displace Labour. So I, I just, I feel that there's a, a kind of uh, inherent bias towards the status quo amongst more than just Labour, I think it's across the board. And I think that just is too powerful at the moment anyway to break down. And really, there are more pressing things on the agenda. When it comes to the role of local authorities and, and the services they provide, the, um, what are they called, corporate joint committees are set established to try and get that cross-authority working. So there are mechanisms in place now to make that all more uh, effective. So I, you know, I can't see them opening that kind of worms anytime soon. And really, my argument is, if you want to look at uh, is savings in the democratic process is the House of Lords, 771 peers, get rid of 550, 571 of them, and elect the rest. And I'll save you a fortune, you can put that towards all kinds of things. Hoping to be optimistic in this, I mean, perhaps if if uh, the, these proposals for Senate reform are seen to be a success, maybe there might be a template there for the future, should indeed we we ever find somebody who wants to take on that massive challenge. I just, just go the Conservatives are massively over overestimating the saliency of Senate reform as an issue with the general public. And I think on the whole, even Morgan Jones said this on Twitter, on the whole, the, the public don't really take any, pay much attention to the arrangements of a parliament. I don't think that people have noticed the MEPs have gone. I don't think people will notice very much that MPs are, are fewer. I don't think people will take pay much attention, although I think it will be better, a better structure for the more Senate members. And I think that's, you know, people just don't pay attention to that thing. Most people think about politics frequently um, in, in, you know, in categorical terms, certainly politics that affects their lives is a daily concern, cost of living. But, you know, po high politics is something people turn to probably at general election time on the whole and Senate election time at half that. So you know, there's no political gains to be made by making this an issue, which is why it baffles me the Conservatives have been so forthright on it. Yeah, fun fundamentally, the question has always been, if I remember rightly from your uh, contributions in this matter before, is that actually what we just need to focus on is good government. And I think, I mean, that should be a cross-party position on almost everything above all or above all else, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, the, the Labour Party are not gaining, at, at, at the best, at the very best, things are staying just as they are currently for the Labour Party in Wales, uh, with regards to Senate, power in the Senate. Um, but it also opens up the chances for, for rainbow coalitions in, that excludes Labour. Um, this is Mike Hedges' concern. So, you know, don't, don't fall into any trap of thinking that this is a, a Labour Party friendly proposal. I think it's friendly to, you know, it, it's friendly to democracy. I don't think it's necessarily friendly to Welsh Labour on its own. Thank you for that. that that's, um, I think that's a, um, a, a point worth making. Just lastly, obviously, the Labour Party in Wales has supported these um, uh, these proposals. The UK Labour Party has been more lukewarm on electoral reform, and Scottish Labour appear to be reasonably content with the systems that are in place in Scotland, which is a similar system to the current Senate voting system at uh, parliamentary level, but then a, a STV at uh, local government level. How well, or conversely not well, do you think the Labour Party is applying the principles of federalism and uh, subsidiarity within its own structures? And you're probably asking the wrong person. I don't take any interest whatsoever in the internal structures of the Labour Party. Yeah, what, what I think matters to me is that the First Minister of Wales has a, 
uh, a structured and constitutionally recognised uh, relationship with the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, um, whether that be through a, a federal or confederal structure, um, and, and is and is written and is prescribed. And I think you know that that's that's the issue for me. Um, how parties arrange themselves. I'm, I'm sorry, but I find it utterly boring. Uh, it's probably why I've made no progress in my political career. Well. On that bombshell, uh, Evan, uh, thank you very much for your time. Okay. Just as I'm really grateful for for your time. Is there anything else as we, you know, particularly bear in mind that we're coming into the summer now and, you know, trying to ignore the, the meltdown that is happening at the other end of the M4. Are there any issues that you um, will be pursuing either in this, as we get to the end of this Senate term or at the start of the next one that you'd just like our listeners to be aware of, something that you'd like to champion other than yeah, well, being a school governor, which is something that I'd advocate everybody try and do. My old primary school, my old comprehensive school, uh, yeah, which is a real honour. I've been waiting for 20 years to do that. Um, and autism and uh, neurodevelopmental uh, conditions is what I'm currently working on. As you may be aware, my daughter is uh, seven years old and autistic and struggles very, very greatly. She's in a resource-based school uh, and struggles greatly with communication. And, um, you know, I, I'm working on that because I've met so many parents in a similar position to me. So that's, that's what I'm constantly working on. We're also working on town centres and uh, growth in the Northern Valleys. We want to see Bargo doing well, Singen is doing well. That's where I'm, I'm currently working. You know, those two issues will occupy my summer. I'm also doing a little project, what my partner Vicky calls a prefect project for the Welsh Government uh, for Jeremy Miles on uh, transition from education to employment, So which, we, which we're reporting on next spring. So I'm currently working on that. We've just done our first interview for that project today, which was really interesting. Uh, one of the things I think an early recommendation we may make is to have a national job coaching service, which may be an early recommendation. It's too early to say, really. That, that, that's what I'm working on. So it's autism, economic regeneration, and a, uh, a, a transition to employment project for the Welsh Government. Well, thank you very much, Heaven. Uh, best of luck with all of those causes, and um, and uh, wish you uh, wish you a very good summer. Um, and enjoy enjoy with your bowl of popcorn in front of you whilst we continue to watch events at the other end of the M4. I'm going um, straight back on the Guardian live feed if I know what's going on. Great stuff. Thank you for your time. And if you've enjoyed listening to this pod, we suggest that you follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pod or go to our website for all the latest www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.